So Luke chapter 11, and we'll read the opening 13 verses of this well-known chapter together. So Luke 11, uh, commencing at verse 1, and let's give attention and hear the word, follow along with the word of the Lord. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive every one that is indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend? And shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he say from within shall and he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you, seek, and ye shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asked a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that asked him? Amen. Ending our reading here, verse 13. I trust the Lord will bless it to our hearts. Let's just pray once again, please, and ask the Lord to... Uh, bless us and meet with us uh, together around the word. Our gracious God, loving Father, it is a real privilege to have the revelation of God in our hand, to have that translation of the word of God. As we heard, Lord, even last week, the work of the Trinitarian Bible Society and the translation work that goes on and those projects that are stopped. Uh, Lord, there's people in this world and they haven't got a translation of the word of God. We're truly blessed indeed, Lord. And we thank the Lord, we can glean much from the Word. But Lord, we need your help. Lord, this book, it's a holy book. It's a book of our God. And we pray that thou will give us help in the understanding of it. It's a living Word. And we pray, Lord, you'll speak to our hearts tonight. And Lord, this Word will be a help in the place of prayer. And Lord, that you will be glorified in all that is said and done. I need your help, Father. And I pray now that you will forgive me. Lord, that you will wash me. Lord, I have... Uh, as it were, contaminated, being contaminated with daily defilement of sin. And I need to be washed. And you have promised that you would cleanse us, that if we would confess our sin, your faithfulness and your justice will see to it that we're washed. And so, Father, we pray for that fresh cleansing, both preacher and hearer, and for the infilling of the Spirit. And I pray, O oh God, that the Word will be used by Thee to help us, Lord, even to pray. So, Lord, do us good and shut us in around the word now. For we ask this all in Jesus' precious and his lovely name. Amen. 
Now, in the opening verses of Luke 11, we have one of the most important passages in the Bible concerning prayer. From the Scripture, we learn much about prayer and praying from the examples of many different individuals and the words that we use. But here in this portion, we have the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself concerning prayer. Now, there are those, and they would deny the deity of the Lord Jesus, and one of the arguments they would use is this, well, if Jesus truly was God, well, then he would not have needed to pray. Or they say, well, it's nonsensical for him to pray if he is God. Well, in response to that, in the first place, the Son of God, God the Son, he was and is in blessed communion and fellowship with his Father and has been from all eternity. And that didn't stop when he became man. And since prayer is communion, with respect to the Son speaking to the Father, there's nothing strange concerning Christ praying. But also those who deny the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, they feel really to understand His role as the mediator. That the Son of God humbled Himself, that He became man, while never ceasing to be God, in order to fulfill the covenant and to be our prophet and our priest and our king taking to himself a true and a full humanity, as a man, Christ prayed. As a man, he needed to pray. Even, yes, as a sin, sinless man, he needed to pray because it showed his dependence on God and the Spirit with whom he was filled without measure to do the Father's will. And that's one of the reasons why he prayed. Prayer is also a form of worship. And men are to worship God and the Lord God alone, as we're told in the commandments. And therefore, Christ fulfilling the commandments, he prayed. It was a form of worship. So he prayed in his relation to God as the Son. And he also prayed in his position to us as the mediator. He also did pray to leave us an example. And look, he records many, many times and instances of the Lord Jesus praying. We read in Luke chapter 3 of Christ praying at his baptism. Then in Luke chapter 5, he's praying in the wilderness. Luke chapter 6, there's a record of him there praying before the 12 apostles were chosen. Go into chapter 9 of Luke and we read about him praying alone. And in the same chapter, we read that as he is transfigured upon the mount, it was when he went up the mount to pray. And here in Luke 11, we have another instance of the Lord Jesus praying. Now, not wanting to interrupt the Lord, the disciples, they waited until he had finished. Being struck by the excellency and the fervency of his prayer, one of the disciples, they spoke up on behalf of the others and said, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And it was in response to that request that the Lord Jesus taught them and us about prayer. Now in Matthew 6 and 7, we read similar words that we find here in Luke chapter 11. But these are two distinct uh, occasions. The instruction in Matthew 7, Matthew 6, it's part of the Lord's Sermon on the Mount. And that happened in Galilee, but we find that this here happened in Judea. Now, just to give you a simple division of these verses that we have read, because we're obviously not going to look at them all tonight, because there's so much in it, but we can divide it up into three. 
In verses 2 to 4, we have the pattern. And that's commonly called the Lord's Prayer. And you well know it's actually the disciples' prayer. Because it tells us in verse 2, And he said unto them, When ye pray, say. And also the Lord Jesus had no need of forgiveness. And therefore it truly is the prayer of his followers. A pattern upon which they can base their own prayers. Then in verses 5 to 8 we have the parable. The Lord Jesus, he gives a simple story to emphasize the importance of importunity or consistency in prayer which is born out of a necessity. And then following on from that in verses 9 to 13 we have really some principles or the principles. And it's upon that last section from 9 to 13 that I want to focus our attention tonight. And the heading for this message this evening is Ask, Seek, and not, not Knock. A simple heading. So three things tonight. Firstly, notice prayer and its simplicity. Prayer and its simplicity. Let's read verses 9 and 10 together. And I say unto you, Ask. And it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. From the parable in verses 5 to 8, there flows out certain principles and promises. And the Lord Jesus adds his own weight of authority to what he is about to say. That's why it opens with the words, And I say unto you, it's emphatic in the Greek. I'm the one that's saying this. So he's reminding the disciples, he's reminding us of who is the one who is giving these principles, who is uh, telling them about these promises. This is the omnipotent one. This is the one who cannot lie. This is God incarnate who is saying these things unto them. And that means that there's no law of nature, there is no scheme of man, there is no weakness of the saint that can even prevent the fulfillment of what the Lord Jesus says here, his own word. Now this text, it's a familiar text, it's usually quoted, and rightly so, as one of the most precious promises and encouragements to pray. But it's more than that. It's also a declaration of the simplicity of prayer. For the terms that are used here, they're not difficult to understand. It's also a revelation of the condition of our receiving any good gift from God. Now, if we want to receive, if we want to find, if we want the entrance of blessing, door of blessing open to us, then we must. We must ask, seek, and knock. And these three terms, they are used to describe really the same thing. We must pray. We must pray to God in order to obtain those things from God that we need. There they're used, ask, seek, and not, not knock. And they're used there to denote an ascending degree of intensity in prayer. And they do imply to us the earnestness and diligence and the perseverance with which we are to pray. Now before we look really at those verbs in particular, ask, seek, and knock, this verse, it's not a blank check. As you well know, these things are not a blank check. It's not as if that we ask anything from God, He will give it to us. We must ask in the right spirit. We must ask with humility and sincerity. And we must ask for those things that are consistent with God to give us. What are those things? 
Well, there are those things that he has promised. That's consistent with what he can give us. It is those things that are agreeable to his will. That's consistent with what he can give us. It is those things that are for our good. That's consistent with what he can give us. It is those things that bring him glory and honor. That is consistent with what he can give us. And you know, when we ask for certain things and those filters, if you want to say, are applied, are they in agreement to God's word? Are they for our good? Are they for his glory? Are they what he has promised? Well, the thing is, if we asked, he will give. We will receive. You see, God is omniscient, as you know, and he knows what things we have need of before we ask for them. But we must ask. If we are to receive. Now that's not a difficult thing to understand. That's not complicated. That's not intricate. That's not difficult to understand with respect to the process. If you want to receive that which you need from God. Well then you are to what? Simply ask Him. Now the difficulty arises in the public place of prayer. Because of our nerves. Or that we have never prayed before. But there is absolutely nothing complicated here with what you and I are to do in prayer. We are to ask. Simply ask. Now I said this at the men's prayer meeting and I think it's worth saying at the midweek meeting as well. Make sure that you get to asking as you pray. Get to the asking. Yes, we enter in, we adore God, we address God, but we are to get to the asking. That's the simplicity of prayer. James 4 verse 2, it tells us, Ye have not, because ye ask not. You know, we don't need to complicate our prayers. We don't need to pad out our prayers to make them effectual. To obtain what we need, we are to simply, as what Christ said, ask. That's what we are to do. We are to ask. See, it's the shedding of Christ's blood and it's His perpetual high priestly intercession that makes our prayers effectual. You see, a little child can ask. And children, they're very good at that, aren't they? They ask many, many questions. Sometimes they ask amiss. Sometimes they don't ask for the right thing. Sometimes they don't ask in the right manner. But they know this. If they want to get, they must ask. And that's the simplicity of prayer that Christ is speaking about here. And the word ask, it has this thought in it. It's of an inferior asking a superior. It includes the thought of a beggar Asking for alms. And that's exactly what you and I are. We are poor in spirit. We are poor and needy. But there's one who is supreme. There's one who is sovereign. There's one who is greater than us. And he thinks upon us. And he is willing to give us what we need. See, the, right, the self-righteous person. That's a person that doesn't ask God. That's a person that informs God. About who they are and what they have done and things like that. But you and I, we are to ask as beggars, as those who are in great need of things, to one who has everything that we do need. 
One man, he made this comment, those that would be rich in grace must take themselves, or betake themselves to the poor trade of begging, and they shall find in it a thriving trade. Brothers and sisters, it's not beneath you tonight to ask for. If you're feeling poor in spirit, beggarly in your soul, come to the great God of heaven. Don't be ashamed, don't be embarrassed, because that's what he asks us to do. You see, to ask, it implies that we are conscious. We are conscious of what we need. And if that's the case, if we are conscious of what we need, we will ask specifically and not generally. You see, if you're thirsty, you're conscious of that, you wouldn't go to someone and say, can you help me? Can you give me something? Because how would they know how to help you? Or how would they know what to give you? But if you went to someone and said to them, I'm thirsty, can you give me something to drink? They will give you what you need. You know, we need to be specific when we ask. When you ask God, you are conscious of your great need. And I have to say, that thought of being specific in prayer has really resonated with me in the last number of weeks. And the young people will know about that. I spoke to them on Friday evening at the Youth Council night of prayer, praying in a specific manner. You see, when you do that, when you process that and think, well, what am I really asking God for? What do I need from my God? It gets really to the root of not really what you want, but what you need. The Lord says in John 16 in the verse 24, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. You know, we almost stumble over and hesitate at the simplicity of that, don't we? Our unbelief would say, well, well, surely there must be more to this in prayer. But what does the Lord say? Verse 9, ask, ask, and it shall be given, shall be given you. Let's take that at face value, brethren and sisters. Let's ask God. Think about what you could ask God for this Bible conference. Ask, and it shall be given you. The next verb, it's seek. We're thinking about prayer and simplicity. This is just really a higher degree of intensity here. You know, there's some things that we ask for and, and we get them. God gives them to us. We ask for our daily bread. We go to our cupboards every day, and there our daily bread is. But then there's other things and they need to be sought for. See, there's greater effort that is expended by the one who seeks than by the one who simply asks. And here we're being taught that prayer, well, it's not simply a a casual matter. There needs to be labor involved on our part. If those things haven't been obtained by our asking, well, that doesn't mean it's a denial on the part of God not to give them to us. No, rather, he would have us persist in prayer. That we would seek him and seek him continually. As he says in the book of the Psalms, we're to seek his face and his strength continually in order that we might find or obtain the answer. You see, that withholding from God, if we could call it that, we don't get the answer straight away just by simply asking. Why does God do that? Well, God does that to strengthen our faith, to test our motives. 
He does it to deepen our, our realization of our dependence on Him. And to heighten our sense of anticipation and intensify our gratitude for when that answer comes. We are to seek. The next verb says that we are to knock. And that relates very much back to the parable in verses 5 to 8. Again, it's just speaking of a greater degree of intensity and persistency and constancy in prayer. The Puritan Thomas Manton, he said, If we don't receive by asking, then let us seek. If we don't receive by seeking, then let us knock. And that's what we're being taught there. We're being encouraged to to keep on knocking, to keep on praying. You see, one knocks at a, a closed door or a locked door. And it might seem at times that when you're praying, it might seem that the door of blessing is shut to you and me. But that just means that we keep on knocking. We keep at it. We keep on praying. That's what the Lord is telling us here with greater uh, intensity and and persistency. My two older boys at the moment, the flavor of the month for them around the dinner table is knock-knock jokes. And it's not proper knock-knock jokes. It's made-up knock-knock jokes. And they find anything hilarious. And when they start knock-knock jokes, it just keeps on going and going and going until, well, we're exasperated, really, because it's not funny, but we laugh to humor them. But the Lord wants us to keep on knocking. And He doesn't become exasperated by us. He doesn't become weary of us as we knock and petition His throne of grace. We have every encouragement to keep on praying because the Lord says there that those who knock, it shall be opened. It shall. There's two words in the Greek that can be translated as knock. One word it means to unceremoniously pound the door. And the other one is a polite knock. It's a rap upon the door. And that's the word that's used here. The word here does not mean to bang discourteously. It doesn't mean to kick the door in. It doesn't mean to batter it down. It doesn't mean that. And while our prayers are to be persistent and intense and fervent, they should always be done in a respectful and dignified manner. We don't need to demand. We don't need to insist of our God. We cannot force our God to open to us blessing that He is not well to give us. But we can at all times and continually, whenever we want, and as often as we can, bring our prayers again and again to our God. Sometimes we see our children struggle, someone else struggle with something, and, and we say to them, you know, all you have to do is ask. And the help or the answer will come. Well, that, dear friend, is the simplicity of prayer. All we have to do is ask. For the Lord says in verse 10, For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that openeth it shall be opened. You see, there's no restriction here on who can ask and who will receive. For it tells us there, for everyone that asketh. 
the young in age can ask, the young in faith can ask, as well as those older. The only restriction in this verse is to those who don't ask and who don't seek and who don't knock because they will not get their answers. They will not receive, they will not find that which they are petitioning God for or not petitioning God for, I should say. Brethren and sisters, let us ask of God what He has promised and if you've already asked, well, tonight seek then. And if you've already been seeking maybe for many years, well, tonight knock. Knock at the door in prayer. And it may be tonight that God will open it to you. Just keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Keep on praying. Or prayer and its simplicity. Secondly, tonight, prayer and our supply. We have that in verses 11 and 12. Let's read those verses. Luke 11. It says, If a son ask, shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he give him a scorpion? The Lord Jesus here, he asks three rhetorical questions to demonstrate that God, our Heavenly Father, is willing to supply what we need when we ask Him. See, children, they naturally ask their parents for what they need. And why do they do that? Well, they know that their parents love them. They know from past experiences of their parents' care for them and a demonstration of that care to them. And that gives them confidence to petition or ask their parents for those things that they need. Now we know that our heavenly father loves us. He's unlike the false pagan gods. Who are distant and impersonal. God. God's loving. God is approachable. We're reconciled unto him. Christ tells us. Even in this very chapter. The beginning of it. He tells us. That how we're to address God. Our Father. And you know that was unheard of. In the old dispensation. The Jews never approached God in prayer like that. But now you and I. We can. We can say our Father. He has sent the spirit of our, his Son into our hearts. And we cry. Abba Father. That's tender, a term of tender endearment. We can call God our Father. Yes, John Newton wrote it, and we sang it tonight. Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring. But don't forget, we are coming to a Father. Small petitions, then also offer. Large or small, he's your Father, he's interested, he cares for you. How do we know that? Well, you know the answer. It is the cross. He has demonstrated his love, his care for us, and that he has provided for our greatest need, a justifying righteousness in the person of his Son. And therefore, he will supply our other needs. He's promised, Philippians 4, 19, through and by Christ Jesus, he will give us what we need. Now, with respect to these three questions, a stone may look like a bread, uh, look like bread, or a serpent may look like fish to a very young child at least. Really, that's the point here. 
The illustration of the egg and the, the scorpion, well, that's not found in Matthew chapter 7, but it's here. It doesn't really add any new teaching. It just emphasizes the same truth in those other questions that are, that are put there. And reading for this, I, I read that in that region there was a scorpion. It's light in color. Uh, when it's curled up, it has almost the shape of an egg. So a little child, yes, could mistake uh, maybe a stone for a bit of bread or a, a serpent for a fish or a, an egg for a scorpion. You see, there are things that we might think are beneficial to us. That we ask God for, but really they are, in fact, useless. Like a stone or dangerous. Like a scorpion or a serpent. Health and wealth. Well, they might be those things that we might think, well, they would be for my well-being, for my good. But God knows better. You see, worldly prosperity, it might be like the poisonous viper or the, the venomous, venomous scorpion. Maybe there's a young person here. And you have maybe been praying to God about a particular individual for a life's partner. And maybe God has not given you that, what you have been praying for, or whom you have been praying for. Well, you remember, you remember that just as a human father would never give their child that which is useless or harmful, he will never give that to you. And so at times he does withhold those things that might be harmful to us. The point is that God not only gives, but he knows how to give and he knows what to give. And he will not mock us when he supplies our need. And that leads me on to my last point this evening. So there's prayer and its simplicity. Prayer and our supply. Prayer and the Spirit. Verse 13. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that asked him? And here's what, or rather, who we need as Christians. We need the Holy Ghost. And this flows on nicely from what the Reverend Greer was preaching about last night, about the Holy Spirit. This portion came to my mind on Sunday afternoon for the prayer time tonight. But it follows on nicely from what the Reverend Greer was telling us. We need the Holy Ghost. In the Sermon on the Mount, we read the Lord there he says that the Lord or the Heavenly Father will give us good things or good things to them that ask. But here the language is a little more definite. It is the Holy, the Holy Spirit. He will give to them that ask. Now the argument here in this chapter is the lesser to the greater. The Lord Jesus, don't forget, he's addressing his disciples. And he says to them, if ye then being evil. And he's reminding them and... In doing so, he reminds us of the intrinsic evil that is still within us. Still there. And yet, it's a case that if earthly fathers with all their imperfections will give good gifts unto their children, well, how much more will God our Father not give us the Holy Spirit? Exactly what we need. Now, the how much more 
It is the unanswerable question. We can't answer that. It's only there to emphasize God's willingness to give us the Spirit. His willingness. And He gives the Holy Ghost to them that obey Him. We read about that in Acts chapter 5 and verse 32. And one of, the obey, one of the commands to obey is to ask for the Spirit. That's what we are to do. We are to ask for the Holy Spirit. The book of Luke has been said to be the book of the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is mentioned more in the book of Luke than in Matthew and Mark combined. And it's mentioned more in Luke or he is mentioned more in Luke than he is mentioned in the Gospel of John. The book of Luke is also the book that emphasizes Jesus Christ as the Son of Man. It emphasizes his humanity. And it was by the power of the Spirit that Jesus, the Son of Man, went about doing good. And if he needed the anointing of the Spirit to do good, well then how much more? There's a how much more here in relation to God. But there's a how much more in relation to us. How much more do you and I not need the Holy Spirit to do that which is right in the sight of our God? And here is the promise that he will give the Spirit to them that ask. I think I've said it before. It's worth saying again. We often speak about the, the, uh, God's Son as God's gift. But we often forget that the Holy Spirit is also the gift of God to the church. And He's ours for the asking. Whatever our needs for the Christian, our greatest need is the Holy Ghost to come upon us. And that happens in answer to prayer. That's what we're told here. Prayer in its simplicity. Prayer in our supply. Prayer in the Spirit. You know, for every one of the 1,500 or so imperatives, commands, that God gives His children in the New Testament, there's always enabling grace to fulfill it. And these verbs here, the ask, the seeking, and the knocking, they're imperatives. They are commands of God. They are something that we are to do. In other words, God commands us to pray. And He gives us the grace that we are enabled to do so. Isn't it wonderful that prayer isn't complicated? Isn't it wonderful that as soon as our little children come to faith in Christ, they can begin to pray? They can begin to petition God and He hears them and He answers them and He gives them and they receive from Him. Brethren and sisters, let's ask God tonight. We want to get from our God. We want to receive. We want to find. We want the door of blessing opened. But it only happens when we ask and when we seek and when we knock. And so may the Lord give us the grace to do that this evening and help us to ask our God for many blessings even during the Bible conference. Let's just bow in a word of prayer and then we'll sing a hymn and the online broadcast will leave us. Let's, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee. We thank Thee we can call You and address You, our Father.
This is a blessed privilege indeed. And we often complicate things. We confess that, Lord. We often in unbelief stumble and hesitate at the simplicity of prayer and the promises that Christ has given. So, Father, we come to you and we ask you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. We know, Lord, that this will be for our good. And we also know that this is in accordance to your will. And we know that this is something that you have promised. And we know that this is something that will bring glory and honor to you. And therefore, O oh Father, help us by faith to believe that thou will give us the Holy Spirit. Lord, we need the Holy Spirit every day. We confess that if Christ needed the anointing, sinless man, and all his perfect and true and full humanity, how much more us. Lord, we thank thee that thou hast promised promise to give. And so, Lord, we pray that thou would bless the word. Lord, help us to be specific in our praying. Lord, help us to be definite in those things that we ask for. Clear, O God. Help us to have that wonderful communion and fellowship with thee, our Father, as children talking to their Father who loves them and who cares for them. So, Lord, bless the word and help us few moments as we get down to prayer. For this we ask in the Savior's name. Amen.